that you are a God who can make a way when there seems to be no other way, that even when we don't see it or maybe even don't really sense it, you are always at work accomplishing your purpose and your will in our lives. We know now, Father, that your purpose would be to speak to us from your Holy Spirit through your written word. And I pray that today we'd be challenged by that word and by your spirit that you would cause us to draw closer to you because of our time in your presence today. And it's in your good and holy name that we pray. Amen and amen. You take your seat, and as you find your seat, take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, specifically, we'll be looking at a few verses in Exodus chapter 5, as well as Exodus chapter 6, as I want to share a message with you this morning that I have titled, What to Do When You Feel Like You Have Been Left Hanging. And I want us to look to flesh that concept out a little bit more at an incident in the life of Moses that occurred during a pretty exciting time in his life. You know, the life of Moses, his life literally began as a basket case, literally, when he was put in that basket case and put out in the river and floated down because of Pharaoh's edict to kill all of those Hebrew children. And he was discovered by the daughter of Pharaoh, and he was raised in Pharaoh's house. And, and he knew, he came to learn his identity as a Hebrew. He came to understand the, the plight of his fellow Hebrew people, of the Jewish people as they were being mistreated by the Egyptians. And one day he witnessed a, an Egyptian that was beating up a Hebrew, and Moses, his anger got the best of him. And on that day, he killed that Egyptian, and he ran for his life. He, he met a woman, and he ended up marrying that woman, and he spends then the next four decades on the backside of a desert, ten sheep for his father-in-law Jethro. We don't know where Ellie Mae was, but we know where Jethro was at that time. And he was, uh, Moses kept the sheep of Jethro during that time. As he was doing that, God appeared to him in a burning bush. And that bush was not consumed, and God spoke very clearly to him. And God said, Moses, this is the task I have for you. You are to lead my people out of their bondage in Egypt. You're to lead my people out of their slavery. You're to lead my people to freedom. Moses, you go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses and his brother Aaron meet together with some of the older men in Israel. They explain this call of God to them and the plan that God had revealed for their lives. And so Moses and Aaron, the moment they begin to move forward with this plan, they almost immediately encounter a problem. This Pharaoh has hardened his heart, and the situation has quickly deteriorated. That's where we pick up in Exodus chapter 5. Let's begin in verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast for me in the wilderness." 
But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks, as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, Let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. Let's skip down to verse 19. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh and they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever sell us? He's saying, God, you left me hanging. For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you've not delivered your people at all. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them and uh, to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a position. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips." 
But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of, Israel, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Are you familiar with that idiom, that phrase that's used in our, our culture, don't leave me hanging? It's, it's that image of a, of a one-way high-five. You ever done that? You ever gone to give somebody a high-five and they didn't notice you? They just kind of left and you felt like an idiot? Am I the only one? No, I know I'm not. In fact, I'm going to do it to you just so I don't have to be in the club by myself. To, to leave someone hanging, in fact, it's become such a, a popular thing in our culture that there's even a, a definition for it. It's so often used that and it means to, to leave one in an unsettled state or, or without some kind of resolution. And, and when you look at this, it's almost as if Moses and Aaron went to give God a high five, and God just is like, I'm not giving you a high five. Almost like he, he left them hanging in that moment. It, it feels like, it seems like that, that things are going the direct opposite way than what they anticipated. It, it seems like they've been left with their hand in the air waiting for God to return the high five. There are moments, if we're honest, there are moments in our lives when we may feel like Moses and Aaron. We may feel as if God has left us hanging. We may even feel a little bit foolish with us. Our hand is extended, but the high five has not yet been returned. We feel like we have discerned the plan of God for our lives Maybe even after we wrestled with that plan for a while and we finally responded to it and we launch out in following Jesus and almost immediately we discover that things are not going as we anticipated they would go. Things are not going as we envisioned them. What do you do in moments like that? It's not that God has left you hanging, but it sure feels that way. So what do you do when you have those feelings? What do you do when you have those moments? How should you respond when you feel like you've been left hanging by God? Well, I want us to look at the experience in this text of Moses and Aaron, and let me give you just a couple of things that you can take home with you today that you can use in your life the next season, the next moment, where you feel like you've got your hand extended for a high five and God has left you hanging. What do you do during those times? Number one is this, the presence of problems does not negate the presence of God. As, as you go through those seasons when it may feel like that in your life, you, you need to remember that the presence of problems does not negate the presence of God. How things go in chapter 5 is definitely not how Moses and Aaron envisioned it. Oh, I'm sure that Moses anticipated Pharaoh refusing. I'm sure that Moses anticipated some resistance, but I don't think that Moses anticipated punishment from Pharaoh. 
I mean, just go back and, and recall a brief sampling of some of the problems they faced as, as recorded in chapter 5, verses 1 through 21. Pharaoh mocked their God. Pharaoh misunderstood their motives. It wasn't idleness. It was because of obedience that they wanted to go and to sacrifice. The people that God has called them to deliver, they're not given less work. They're given more work. And Moses and Aaron are blamed for the extra burdens placed upon the people. I'm telling you, this is not going the way Moses and Aaron thought it was going to go. It would have been easy to conclude that what Moses and Aaron were trying to do, it must not be in God's will. It must not have his approval. It must not have his blessing because of all the problems they were experiencing. When in reality, watch this, the opposite is exactly what is true. They were encountering these problems because they were following the plan of God, because they were following the will of God for their lives. Let me share with you this morning some faulty theology that's being puppeted behind pulpits by some preachers. And if I can find one more P, that'll be a sermon. <laughs> and that false theology is this. There are those who will say from behind pulpits today that the reality of problems or the experience of setbacks must mean that you're not in God's will or that God isn't involved with what you're doing or that God is displeased with you. There is zero, zero biblical basis for this thinking and reasoning. In fact, I think given enough time, I could show you from the totality of Scripture that the exact opposite is true. I think I can show you, and I won't for time's sake, but if uh, we want to have a conversation sometime, I think I can show you from Scripture, from the totality of Scripture, how that following the plan of God for your life will guarantee that you'll encounter problems. In fact, at times, the only way that God can receive the most glory from our lives is through our experience of setbacks and problems. Not all the time, but there are times. In John chapter 9, the disciples and Jesus come upon a man who, it was well known, had been blind from birth. And the disciples knew somebody had to be responsible for it. And the disciples said to Jesus, they said, who was it that did this to this man? Was it his sin that caused him to be born blind? Or was it the sin of his parents? And Jesus said this in John chapter 9, verse 3. Jesus said, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but so that the works of God might be displayed in him. God receives glory as we remain faithful during the setbacks and the seasons of life in which we have a difficult time tracing his hand. But God can also use those seasons not just for his glory, but for our good as well because those setbacks, those problems, they cause us to more fully depend upon God. 
You see, had Moses and Aaron not encountered the setbacks that they encountered, they would have been tempted to rely more upon themselves than they should have done. They would have been tempted to rely only upon what they could accomplish instead of relying upon God and upon what God could accomplish. I'm not saying you don't have skill. I'm not saying you don't have ability. I'm just saying God has more. (laughs) I'm just saying that that God is able, according to Ephesians 3.20, to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine. Let us learn from the experience of Moses and Aaron by remembering that the presence of problems does not negate the presence of God. In fact, I would contend the presence of those problems activates the presence of God in our lives. So you feel like God's left you hanging. Remember that the presence of problems doesn't negate the presence of God. Second is this. And in that moment, when you feel like you've been left hanging by God, you're at a crossroads. So our task then is to determine, number two, determine your direction by faith, not by feelings. Hey, by faith, not by feelings. The end of chapter 5 is a critical moment for Moses. It's obvious that he feels as if he's been left hanging. In fact, if you look back at chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, Moses said to God, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you've not delivered your people at all. Notice well that, (coughs) sidebar, God was big enough to handle his questions, and God was big enough to handle his complaints. And I think we may need to be reminded of that as well, that, that God's big enough to answer our questions or to receive our questions at least, and, and God is big enough to, to handle our doubt just as Moses is going through this time in his life. But Moses now has two options, and two, only two options. He can decide to turn from God because he feels as if God has abandoned him, and not come through that God's left him hanging. Or he can choose to turn toward God. See, Moses has already learned the futility of turning from God. He tried to turn from God when God placed that call upon his life, and he offered those excuses, and he learned that the futility of that. And so now he understands the benefit of turning to God. You and I face a similar critical moment when we encounter setbacks. The question becomes, will we turn away from God, or will we turn toward God? And what will determine our directions? Will we allow faith to drive our direction, or will we we allow our feelings to drive our direction? Now look, this doesn't mean that we understand it all. Turning to God in faith doesn't mean that we understand it all, but it means that we're not abandoning it all. 
This is a battle between our faith and our feelings. It's a battle between what I know to be true about God versus what my circumstances are causing me to feel about God. We simply cannot allow our circumstances to dictate our direction, but instead we must allow our faith to become the driving force in our pursuit of God. So when you feel like you've been left hanging, make a determination that your direction will be dictated by your faith, not your feelings. Here's a third thing to remember when you feel like you've been left hanging. Remember this truth. Circumstances change, but God's purpose does not. Circumstances might change. But the purpose of God for his people does not. God had been very clear with Moses from the beginning that there was a purpose behind his calling, namely to deliver God's people so they could inherit the promise of God and become the people of God. Even though the circumstances have changed, even though the circumstances are much different than what they anticipated, the purpose of God for Moses had not changed. And the fact that God's purpose had not changed is why Moses cannot allow this situation to dictate his direction. One of the realities that will be among our strongest anchors as we follow God is believing that his purpose for our lives has not changed, nor will it change, regardless of the circumstance, the problem, or the setback. And this text, if you pay attention to it, this text contains some wonderful reasons why we can be sure that God's purpose will not change. You see, the nature of God assures us that his purpose will not change. If you remember looking back at some of those verses, it tells us that in chapter 6 verse 3 that that God primarily revealed himself uh, uh, to the patriarchs as God Almighty, the one who provides, the one who sustains. And God then said he was going to reveal himself to Moses not only as sustainer or provider, but as the God of a covenant, the God who keeps his promises. Look, our circumstances change. Our circumstances are different today than they were yesterday, but the nature of our creator does not change, nor does his purpose for his creation. The nature of God gives us this assurance that his purpose will not change. The promises of God also give us this assurance that his nature, that his purpose will not change. I want you to look at something. Look back in the text at at chapter 6, verses 6, 7, and 8, where God says, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and let's have, we're going to have an I will counter, okay? And I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, I will 
delivered you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and shall, and shall know that, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who's brought you up from out of the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. In those few verses, seven times God says, I will do this. He is emphasizing. He is going back to his ability to keep his promises. And you know what happens later? Moses writes another book of the Bible. He wrote a few of them. And one of the books that Moses wrote was the book of Numbers. And Moses will later say this about God. He will tell us in Numbers chapter 23 verse 19 that God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has God said and will he not do it? Or has God spoken and will he not fulfill fill it. His promises this morning for you are true. I'm not saying that it feels like it this morning. I'm not saying that every promise feels equally true, but I'm telling you this morning, every promise to God is true. Cling to them even when they seem distant. But the faithfulness of God also gives us this assurance that his purpose will not change. There's a gene, we didn't read it. I didn't want to wow you with my inability to pronounce Bible names. So we didn't read that genealogy. It starts in verse 14 and goes through verse 25, but that records a genealogy. One of the purposes of a genealogy is to show us how God has been faithful to keep his promises and accomplish his purpose. I want to ask you a question, and I want you to block out everything else as best you can and just listen to this question, these questions. Can you, don't answer out loud, but within your heart, can you recall a time when God has been faithful? Can you remember a time when you knew that God heard your cry and your prayer? Ladies and gentlemen, if God has been faithful, he must remain faithful even when our circumstances change and even when we change. Anchor your soul in this truth. If we are faithless, 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He remains true to his word. He remains true to his righteous character. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. His faithfulness is an assurance to us that his purpose will not change. The moment you came to faith in Christ, the moment you gave Jesus your sin, and he gave you his righteousness, he began something in you. And the Apostle Paul reminds us of this in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. He says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. There are in our scripture from cover to cover 
multiple ironclad guarantees that God will not leave us hanging. But that doesn't mean that there won't be times when we are tempted to feel like Moses and Aaron felt as if he has. Therefore, when you feel that God has left you hanging, Remember that those presence, that presence of problems doesn't negate the presence of God. In fact, it facilitates the presence of God. When you feel like God has left you hanging, determine at that moment that the direction of your life will not be dictated by your feelings, but by your faith. When you feel like God has left you hanging, remember that circumstances change. But God's purpose for you does not. God was faithful to Moses and to Aaron. He's going to be faithful to you. God has been faithful to generations of his followers. He's going to be faithful to you. God has been faithful to those men and women who've lost their lives over their resolve to follow Jesus. He was faithful to them. He's going to be faithful to you. Even when you are not on your worst day, God will still have his best day in your life. He has not left you. I ask you this morning if you have a relationship with this kind of God. Because you can choose to pursue other gods that are not like this one. And they will leave you high and dry. See, one of the many problems with all other gods is that they overpromise and they underdeliver because they're not real. But if you have a relationship with Jehovah God, if you have a relationship with this God who spoke the world into existence, then he has promised to never leave us, to never forsake us, even when it feels like we're left hanging. We're not. You see, when you cannot trace the hand of God, you can trust his heart. Have you trusted him? Do you know him as Lord and Savior? If not, I have some wonderful news for you today. Before you walk out these doors, before you stand up from your pew, you can have a relationship with him. In just a second, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, if you don't have a relationship with him, then as I pray, you tune me out for your sake. The only time a preacher will tell you to tune him out is if you need to do business with God. And as I lead us in a prayer, you cry out to God and you simply admit to God your sin. Confess your sin to God and ask him to be your Lord and Savior. Having believed that Jesus lived a perfect life, died in our place, was buried and God raised him to life again. Believing that in your heart, asking that God to save you, you'll never be left hanging. Maybe you have made that commitment already. You are a member of the family of God. Maybe you just need to ask God to speak to your heart to, to reassure you. Look, God knows what we walk through. And God is big enough to handle our questions. And he's big enough to handle our doubts. Just a couple of nights ago when I was out in our backyard and I, I looked up 
just at the sky. At first, I saw Venus. It was very bright, and, and I got my app out to see what it was because I'm not that smart to figure out what it is on my own, and it told me it was Venus. And Then I, I looked down and said, I looked back up, and all of a sudden, the stars, the, the, the sky was full of stars. And the thought hit me that it was God who cast all of those stars and put them right into their place. And if God can do that with a big old ball of gas, God can do that with a big old boy of gas. Not that kind. If God can put those where he wants them, if God can orchestrate all of that, God can take care of me. I'm glad that's his job and not mine. Because he's a lot more faithful to do it than I am. So maybe this morning you would just need to, to place yourself before God and just to ask God to speak to your heart. To ask God to remind something about himself to you today that will cause you to leave here being closer to him. I don't know what God has placed upon your heart. I don't know what God's calling you to do. My only ask has always been and will forever be for you to put your yes on the table to whatever God's calling you to do. So I'm going to pray. After a prayer, we're going to stand and sing. And my prayer is that God will simply have his will and way in your life and in mine today. Father God, how thankful we are that you do not leave us hanging. How thankful we are that you are faithful even when we are faithless. For you cannot disown yourself. And Father, I don't know what decisions need to be made today or what steps need to be taken, but I do know that you are faithful. That you never leave us or forsake us and that if we simply place our yes on that table, you have promised to equip us to do what you're calling us to do. So whatever it is, God, in this moment, have your will and your way in our lives. In the good name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.